You may be seated. We praise Jesus this morning because of what he did for us by going and offering himself as a living sacrifice for the sin of the world. So as I said previously, today is Palm Sunday. It is very meaningful memory for all of us, all Christendom, and everywhere around the world today, this festival is being celebrated. The church all over the world celebrates this because it marks the final and willing entry of our Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem where he willingly turned himself in as the guilty one for the sin of the world. So for thousands of years, the Jewish people had been looking for a Messiah. There were expectations that he would be a military leader who would come and conquer the Romans and take over and rule Israel again as it used to be. There was this speculation, this expectation also that he would come and set up a government uh, for the Israelites. What they had not expected was that their king would appear as a carpenter. They didn't expect that. They never expected that he would possess no earthly weapons, uh, no, no army, no political ambitions. They didn't expect that. They certainly never knew that he would or could be crucified. This hope for them was raised even higher when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The news about that spread all over Jerusalem, all over Israel. Many followed him after that miracle, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, they chose to crown him king. And they started calling him king because they heard about this reality that he brought Lazarus back to life. And say, what a better king could we have than this man? And so they decided to make him king, to crown him king. And as a result of that, as he came into Jerusalem, they had no thought about why he was coming. They raised palm branches in victory and called him king of kings. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But while all this was going on, there, were, uh, there was another group of, of them who refused to accept his identity. Even though he created evidence to start to, to, uh, on top of evidence to prove that he was the Messiah, the Jewish leaders refused to believe him with all of the prophetic fulfillments that took place right before their very eyes. They still refused to believe that this man was the son of God. They refused that. With all of the many signs and wonders he performed, they still refused to believe him. So much so that John puts it this way in John 1.11. John says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They disowned him, they, 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 they missed him uh, because their expectation of who he will be was different from who he was. Our expectation about life can sometimes hold us hostage. The anticipation that we carry about things can keep us 
hostage. And so they were kept from seeing Jesus when he appeared because of the anticipation they had about who this Messiah would be when he showed up. And it's a terrible thing when our perception uh, deceives us and holds us hostage. I just learned uh, a lesson from this currently, uh, recently. For over, over 10 years, I have been suffering from dry, dry eye and did not know what it was. I heard people talk about dry eye. I went to the, to the grocery store and looked on the shelf to where they had all these eye uh, solutions and was looking for something for my eye because my eye uh, always constantly was tearing. And I didn't realize that it was what they call, there was a symptom of dry eye. So I go in the store and I'm looking for something that would stop uh, teary eye. I'm looking for teary eye, looking all over the, the, the counter and couldn't find anything of that sort. And so I walked around saying, well, maybe this is my thorn in the flesh, as it was with uh, uh, <laughs> Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Maybe this is my thorn in the flesh. And I walked around carrying that. It was, it was sometimes a curse, but then sometimes it was a blessing. Uh, there were times when uh, I went to sympathize with a family who had, had lost a loved one, and then my eyes started to tear, and they believed I was crying. So it was a blessing at that time, but there were times when it became embarrassing when I'm just, you know, having a nice conversation, and my eye started to tear, and I have to wipe it. It was dry eye. I didn't know that. And so uh, Precious, my wife, had said it to me before, you're probably suffering from dry eye. And I said, no, no, it's not dry eye. So I went with this thing for years because of my expectation of what dry eye is. It can't, your eye cannot be dried and, and be teary. So that's the mindset I carried for those many years. And so quite recently she brought it up again and her mother, Julie, brought it up to me again and I said, okay, let me go and try uh, something from the, 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 the dry eye uh, uh, solution. And I bought it, put it in my eye, and it stopped the tearing. So I suffered for this for so long because of the expectation that I carried. So in this 12th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus is once more about to reveal his identity to the nation of Israel. The Jewish leaders will be given one more opportunity to receive him as Jesus continued to fulfill prophecies before their eyes. So let's look at John 12 this morning and see what this text presents to us. The first thing I want to talk about is the method of his presentation. The method of his presentation. Look in John 12, verses 14 and 15. Reads, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's cart. Here Jesus clearly proved his identity by fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy. In Zechariah 9.9, it's prophesied that rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey. This was a pivotal moment that was about to change history. But even his own disciples did not understand it. Peter rebuked him in Matthew 16 when Jesus told him that he was going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to suffer many things and be handed over to the chief priest and the high priest so that they would crucify him or kill him. 
And Peter said, this is not going to happen because they did not understand it. Thomas in John 11 verse 16, when Jesus says, let's go to Bethany because uh, Lazarus is dead. Let's go there and visit with them. Bethany was not too far from Jerusalem and they were looking for Jesus at this time. So Thomas was upset about the situation and he too got up and said, let us go so that we may, what, die with him. None of them were anticipating death. Nobody anticipated that Jesus would die for the sin of the world. They did not have that in their minds at all. So it seemed as though nobody really understood what Jesus was actually up and against. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, Paul puts it this way. He says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So the foolish things of this world is what God took and decided to make good out of. And so people look at Jesus Christ and they ask questions like, can anything good come from out of Nazareth? Because he was born in Nazareth. Can anything good come out of there? How could God come through one of the least tribes in Israel? But you see, that's what God chose. He would take the simplest thing and make great and make good out of it. And that's the God that we serve in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Uh, God tells us that his thoughts are not our thoughts, not our, uh, your ways, my ways, he says, declared the Lord. As the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So while some were, were, in, were going looking for a king with a horse, he comes riding on a donkey. Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, a humility to as low as it could get. It's what we see here. Usually a king would come riding on a horse, but our king came humbly riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he's sending the message that he is a humble king. He's a king who comes to serve. As he told the disciples, he washed their feet in the upper room. And he told them that if you want to be great, you have to serve. And here our king came to the lowest of the lowest and he served us. And this is the kind of ministry and work and calling that he's called all of us to, to serve. Jesus was a servant. And as a result of that, he did not come for war. The donkey riding on the donkey shows us that he came for peace. He didn't come for war, but to bring peace to Jerusalem, to bring peace to the world. He didn't come for war. So he came riding on the donkey. We look at the method of his presentation. Let's look at the moment of his presentation. In John 12, 16, it says, at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Even at the very moment when all of this was going on, his closest guys did not understand it. Did Jesus hide it from them? No. He said it over and over and again. What it tells me is this. God had a mission that didn't need a clarified explanation to anyone. And God was going to carry on this mission. God presents himself here as a parent in this context. You see, 
uh, when, when, whenever a parent is faced with a life-threatening situation, we parents do not, uh, 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 we, do, we don't have the time to explain ourselves to our kids. And when you, when you, when you, uh, you need to make a decision that will save your children, you don't go through the process of explaining. The kids always have this idea of coming and asking why. When you tell them do this, they say, but why? And sometimes we tell them because I said so. Why? The reason is because you're trying to take care of a difficult moment. And you don't have time to explain all of that. And so we say that, or sometimes you say, I will explain it myself later on. Let's move on now. All right? God came into our world to save us from our sins. He didn't have time to come in and, and have a meeting and explain this thing because as hard as he tried to explain it, we still was not going to understand it because this was a divine thing. This was a spiritual thing. This was a spiritual act that he was about to carry out and he didn't have to come explain to, to anybody. And that's why he told the disciples to wait in the upper room. When the spirit of God comes, he says, and descend upon you, then you would understand. And when the spirit of God came upon them, their eyes opened and they understood all of this situation that was going on at that moment. And that's the spirit that lives inside of you and me. It's the spirit of God. He lives in our hearts and he reminds us of the things that we need to be reminded about. He teaches us about the things we need to know. He comforts us when we need to be comforted. He strengthens us for the journey. That's his task. And that's what he did when he came. He revealed to the disciples what this whole purpose of Jesus coming into the world was all about. Whenever God is in the moment of rescue, he doesn't consider what we are feeling or how we are thinking. He'll go for it. And that's what Jesus did. He hung up on that cross as the disciples stood at distances and his mother stood at a distance, beating her breast, crying, and they could not take the pain of seeing her son hung up on the cross. But in the midst of that, Jesus had a purpose to fulfill. And so he knew that after this was done, that the world will rejoice, that the world will be glorified. So he did not look at that moment. And that's what the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Give God a hand of praise this morning for Jesus Christ. This morning, have you gone through situations where you became mad at God for putting you through it? But then it became clear later on. And that's what happens in our lives. And some of us this morning might be going through a situation, or you just went through one, or one might be on the way coming. Whatever that situation is that is coming to you, you have to understand that God has a plan for your life. And the problems in your life cannot be the one that is going to detect to your future. Your future is in the hands of God. He has you covered. He has a plan and purpose for your life that cannot be taken away by any circumstance, that cannot be taken away by any person or any problem. Your problem, your situation is in the hands of God. He has your life in his hands because he has the whole world in his hands. Imagine these disciples in Jerusalem seeing Jesus get arrested and all that, see him get beaten. And as a stood at a distance, seeing them uh, do all these things to him. And how broken they were. Because the whole idea of his coming was to come and set up a government. As a matter of fact, when he went and brought Lazarus back to life, it gave them a whole different perspective about him. 
and they were so joyous that now they had a king who could fight and that even if they died in the battle, he could bring them back to life. And so they were so excited that this king had come. But here is the same king now that has been arrested. Here's the same king. They are being spit on and they are beating him and they're cutting him with, 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 with sharp uh, objects. And then they're looking at this from a distance. The same king now is being placed on the, on the cross and hung up high, stretched wide, can do nothing. And all of their hopes were dashed at this moment, my friends. But God had a plan in the midst of that deadness. God had a plan in the midst of that circumstance. That was not the end. It was just a process to the end, but it was not the end itself. God was working it through, and that was part of the plan that he had to go through. Like all of us in this life, all of us have situations in our life that we have to go through. It is part of the plan of living on the earth. And as we deal with the circumstances, let us not forget to know that God still sits high, that God is still on his throne, and nothing is going to change that. Our problems cannot change that. Our situation will not change that. Our distress will not change that. God is always on the truth. The doctor's news cannot change that. The way we feel this morning cannot change that. God is always on this throne. God is always working it out. Even this morning as we're in here, somebody just got out of their own problem. God just worked it out for them, and they're giving him praise. Somewhere around the world, you may not experience it right now, but somebody's experiencing it somewhere around the world. God is always working it out. And just as he did it here at this moment, we talked about the method of his presentation. We talked about the moment of his presentation. Lastly, let's talk about the multitudes at his presentation. In John 12, verse 12 and 13, it says, The next day the great crowd had, that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They, they took <coughs> palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So evidently, the news about Jesus had spread all over town before Jesus got there that he had raised a dead man to life. This was the breaking news spread by mouth because they didn't have the television that we have today. They didn't have CNN. They didn't have these big news medias. So when something happened, people would go out and spread the news by mouth. They walk and do that. So what were the crowd thinking by this time? The guy could raise, could be king. That's what they're saying. <laughs> Let's make this guy king, as I just talked about. And so they went and crowned Jesus king by shouting on the side of the streets, Hosanna, blessed he who come, comes in the name of the Lord. And so just how we, we fool many people, many of our colleagues into becoming politicians, or you know because the person seems to be good or they speak well, or you know they're, 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 they're doing well in life, and we say, well, you're going to make a good president, or you're going to make a good senator or whatever, and they go and run for office because they were uh, encouraged to do that. So this is the kind of situation that is here where the people now are praising Jesus because of what he did. You could make a good king. Why not rise up to this uh, level and become king? We're going to vote for you. And they're going, heal the king, heal the king. And in the face of all of this, something interesting is happening. Even though their notion was wrong, their actions were right. 
Because why? God used their misconception to fulfill prophecy. That's what God did. He used their misconception to fulfill prophecy. Look, they took palm branches, indicating that Jesus, the victim, is also the victor. That's what they were indicating. These people were holding up symbol of victory in the moment of a vicious situation. All right? They were holding up these palm branches. There, were, there was no victory in sight, but in eternity past, God the Father knew that his son had won the victory. There was no victory, but in a victory in eternity past, in the courtroom of heaven, God had already uh, uh, given this declaration that Jesus Christ will be crucified, but Jesus Christ will become victorious in the end. And that's why with that decision being made in eternity past, God was able to meet the serpent in the Garden of Eden and make the declaration to him that the, the seed of a woman will, 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 bruise, you will, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. He told the devil that in the Garden of Eden because that decision was not made right there. It was made a long time ago. So as they were raising this, these palms and singing, blessed is he who come in the name of the Lord, they were doing something that had been decided in eternity past. So the palm branches represents victory. Jesus had not gone to the cross yet, but Jesus had already won the victory. Sometimes we're going through problems in our lives. We have not seen the outcome yet, but in eternity past, God knows that we have already won the victory. We have not seen it yet, but God has seen what has happened already. Even though you're going through your situation right now, but the time is coming when that victory will come. So don't just stare at what you're looking at. Every time your problem comes in front of you, you stare at your God because your God is bigger than the problem and your God has created you for a purpose and a cause. Give God a hand of praise this morning. Jesus won that victory on the cross. The palm represents that. And next thing is they were shouting Hosanna in the Bible says. This is a praise of salvation. This is the praise of salvation. When you say Hosanna, you're saying, save us now. Save us now. They're saying to God, save us now to Jesus. But the saving that they're talking about, the salvation that they're talking about, was a momentary salvation. They wanted to be saved from under, from under the rule of the Romans. They didn't want these Roman officers and soldiers in their town any longer. They didn't want to be under the rule of Caesar anymore. They wanted their own king as it used to be before. And they believed that this man had come to make this king. But they did not understand that Jesus Christ did not only come to uh, take care of the momentary situation, but he came to take care of the eternal situation. And that's why he came to the earth and died on the cross to give us life eternally. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that when we get there, when he comes back on the clouds, then we will see our king. He's become the king that they are looking at, they are shouting at now, will come back. When he comes on the clouds, it says on his thigh will be written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's when he's going to come and sit on his throne. And that's when he's going to rule for all eternity. And that's the hope of the church. And that's what we wait for. So they shouted, Hosanna. Save us now, but the salvation that Jesus brought was an immediate salvation. We need it because the Bible says now is the time of salvation, 
because tomorrow might be too late. So Jesus came to save us now, but the salvation he brought was not a momentary salvation. It is an eternal salvation. And that's what all of us have in us this morning. Everyone who have looked to the cross of Christ to obtain eternal life, everyone who has been baptized by water in this place this morning, I must tell you, you don't have a momentary salvation. You have an eternal salvation that God has placed in you. And that salvation doesn't start when Jesus comes. It started from the day you got saved. You have an eternal you inside of you that is there that God has placed inside of you that the world cannot take away. Your problem cannot take away. The situations you are dealing with right now cannot take away. The way somebody looks at you cannot take it away. The way the church treats you cannot take it away. It is hidden inside of you and it is hidden in Jesus Christ. Give God a hand of praise this morning. Woo. The last point I want to make is the, the, the phrase he who comes in the name of the Lord. They affirm that Jesus was sent from God the Father. This is what it means. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But there was another multitude at this presentation. And the other multitude that was there was the one that were opposing Jesus Christ. This, these were the Jewish leaders. The Bible tells us in the last verse of John 12, where we read this morning, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us, getting us nowhere. Look how the whole crowd, the whole world has gone after him. This was the envious group, the group that envied him, the group that we call the haters. They didn't like him. They hated this man from the time his ministry started. And the reason they hated him was because he was doing something completely opposite, contrary from what they were used to. He got out of the temple and he went out on the streets and he was talking to the sinners. He was talking to the poor person over there, the one who was not able to take care of his needs. He was meeting their needs. He was talking to the tax collectors who the people had ostracized and not allowed to go to the temple anymore. Jesus carried his ministry outside from them. You see, the church had gone through dispensation since it started. This was a new dispensation that had started for the church when Jesus' ministry started. God was taking the church to another level. And so Jesus started this. They hated him because he was doing something else different from what they knew should have been done. So, but yet it was the will of God that this be done. Jesus went on with the works that God had called him to do. They were so envious of him. They did not approve of what God was doing through Jesus. And now they are plotting to get him down. Do you see how dangerous this is? And this is something that we found happening today, even in the world today. We have the world opposing the church. They hate the church because we stand against what they stand for. And we will continue to stand against what they stand for because what they stand for is not what God stands for in his Bible, in the word. We believe God's word and we stand by his word. So we have folks out there in the world that hates the church. We have uh, a people in the church that hates the church. Okay? And it becomes a terrible thing that we are going through. And so these people were planning to get rid of Jesus. This is getting nowhere, they said speaks of the effort to stop him. They had tried to stop Jesus. Look at that. Look at that phrase. This is getting us nowhere. Why? Because they had tried. Over and again, they tried to arrest Jesus Christ and, 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 and you know, crucify him or send him away or do something to kill him, whatever. But every time they tried, 
They could not do it. They were getting nowhere. So killing him would be the, the only last option that they had. But they were trying, and they could not get him. Why couldn't they put their hands on him? Because it was not time yet for him. It was not time. There were times when Jesus spoke in the midst of them, and the Bible says they, they went to seize him, but he walked through them, and nobody put their hands on him because it was not time. You see, my friends, when we come to this point of understanding that our lives are hidden in God, that our lives are locked in God, it will give us a lot of peace as we walk through this, this world. Because you see, unless God approves it, no devil can put his hands on God's children. And so we have to understand this. God sent Jesus for a mission on the earth. And no one was to put their hands on him unless it was time to do that. And when the time came for him to be put to death, he got into Jerusalem. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And those soldiers came in there and arrested him. And he didn't put up a fight. One of his men took a sword and cut out the ear of one of the guys who came to arrest him. Jesus picked up the ear, put it back. He just slapped it back. All right? And the guy was well. And so he let the people take him away because it was time for him to go and face the cross. And so all of the attempts to try to kill him did not work. But God used the point in this message, these evil people, to fulfill his work, his mission, his glory on the earth. Sometimes people will come against you in life. Sometimes people will oppose your ministry. Sometimes people will oppose what you're trying to do for the Lord. But you have to understand this, that God will use those very people to strengthen you and elevate you for the next level. If those people, those Jewish leaders, were not going to come against Jesus and arrest him and put him on the cross, we wouldn't have the salvation we have today. But because they did it, because God used those evil men, that's the reason why we obtain salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the problems that we go through in life and the people that oppose us as we go through those problems, God allowed them to come in our lives and he allowed them to come in our lives. When we go through that situation, he's going to strengthen us. So don't, don't get angry with your enemies. That's why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. He says, do good to those that hate you because why God is only using them for his glory. God is using them to elevate you to another level. God is using them to strengthen you in your faith. And so just don't get mad as they come in your life because God has brought them for a purpose. And so this is the word that I have to give to us this morning to encourage us because Jesus went through these things. We as Christians in a world that is so uh, much against him will come against us as well. But if as to do that, let us keep our eyes on the cross because of the joy that is set before us. I pray that these words from God this morning would encourage your hearts and keep you steadfast in your faith always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.